Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 152, Turkey Calling Mistakes. And I am your host, and the guy who can't really see all that well today because I went to the eye doctor and I got my eyes dilated. So I've got the big pupils and I'm glad I didn't get pulled over by the police on the way home because I have a feeling there would have been quite a few questions for me. So today we are 175 days, eight hours, 12 minutes and 40 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And this week I want to talk to you about something that I believe almost all of us are guilty of at some point in time in the turkey woods. Either the spring or the fall turkey woods. So this week I'm going to cover some of the most common calling mistakes that we make while turkey hunting. But before I do, I've got a little hunting and turkey hunting news for you guys. First... The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's survey results are in. And the survey shows that the number of Americans who participated in hunting and fishing is down 8% over the past 10 years. What that doesn't tell us is that from 2006 through 2011, that percentage actually increased by 9.6%. And the number actually decreased 19% from 2011 to 2016. So over the past five years, the number of Americans who participated in hunting and fishing is down 19%. That, to me, is very alarming. Now, I do have a problem with surveys and stats, and here's why. If I want to, I can manipulate almost any statistical survey to show the results that I want the survey to show. For an example, I learned this my first day in statistics at the University of Alabama. And now my numbers are a little bit off because, well, I'm old and forgetful, but I remember the gist of this. So did you guys know that in 1979, the average starting annual income of all graduates with a bachelor's degree in education from Indiana State University 
their average starting annual income was over $100,000. Can you believe that? The students who graduated with an undergraduate degree in education from Indiana State University in 1979, average starting income was over $100,000. And I don't know very many teachers that make over $100,000, but their average was over $100,000. That's pretty incredible. Now, you older basketball fans out there may know that in 1979, there was a very good basketball player who graduated from Indiana State University. And that very good basketball player who graduated from Indiana State University graduated with a degree in education and went on that year to sign with the Boston Celtics for a $3.25 million salary. And that basketball player was Larry Bird. So keep that little fact in mind when news reports are showing facts and numbers about any topic that these numbers can be manipulated any way that the survey taker wants them to reflect. So I have a feeling if we threw out Larry Bird's salary from the 1979 graduating class from Indiana State University and those graduates who had an education degree, it would probably be much less than $100,000 on average. All right, so anyway, if we take these numbers from the USFWS survey at face value, then this is pretty alarming. Like I said, a 19% decrease in hunters and anglers who participated in their sport over the past five years. And I'm not going to talk about the 9.6% increase over the five-year period before because most likely... That increase was caused by the economic crash of 2008. And yes, hunting and fishing are expensive to get into, but so many people have guns, have owned guns for a long time, or have fishing gear, which is still actually very affordable to buy, and participated in those sports during the economic crash of 2008 and 9 and 10 in an effort to entertain themselves and their families, as well as put some food on the table. In fact, I don't even really want to talk about the survey at all. I just want to ask you guys to ask someone who has never hunted or hunts sporadically to join you on a hunt this fall. Invite them out on a dove hunt or upland bird, squirrel, rabbit, or even a fall turkey hunt. Invite them on a fun time outdoors. And remember not to make the same mistake that I used to make. Please don't make the outing about the hunt, the kill, the shot, or the opportunity. Make it about the entire experience. After all, that really is what we are all addicted to, isn't it? It's the experience that we enjoy so much. Invite someone to share that experience in the woods with you. All right, the second piece of news that I have for you is that fall season soon opens in Connecticut. It opens on October the 7th. In Iowa, archery season opens 10-1 and gun season opens 10-16. In Kansas, fall season opens 10-1. In Kentucky, archery season is already open, but on 10-1, you can hunt turkeys with crossbows. 
in Maine, fall season opens on 10-2. Minnesota, 9-30. Missouri, October 1. Oklahoma, October 1 for archery. Rhode Island, October the 1. Tennessee, September the 23rd. And Vermont, October 7th for archery. Okay, so think about what I ask you guys to do about asking someone to go on a fall hunt with you and think about these states that are open or the ones I just mentioned that are about to open for fall turkeys and start making some arrangements. So let's talk a little bit about some mistakes that we often make when turkey hunting when it comes to calling turkeys. We put a lot of emphasis on calling turkeys and we think that getting good and practiced at calling turkeys can help to make us better at killing turkeys. And there's some truth to that, but it can also backfire on us as well. And I'm going to tackle a few of these mistakes that we often make today, and I'll tackle a few of them in a future episode as well. But anyway, these first two, I think, are the most commonly made turkey calling mistakes. And you likely are going to be able to guess these first two. But here we go. Number one, calling too much. All right, I have no science to back this up, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is likely one of the top five reasons that we screw up a good, gobbling, killable turkey on a hunt. I believe that there are three sounds that we turkey hunters love to hear in the spring woods. In no particular order, those three sounds are spitting and drumming, I made that one sound because we often don't hear one without the other. Even though, yes, turkeys do spit without drumming, and a turkey can drum without spitting, they usually go hand in hand. So I put those in as one sound. Gobbling is the second sound that we love to hear in the spring woods. And the third sound that we love to hear in the spring woods is our own turkey calling. And it should not be in that list. The reason I say in no particular order is I really do know some hunters whom I'm convinced would rather listen to themselves call in the woods than they would listen to a turkey gobble. Then there are those of us who just can't get enough gobbling, so we try to make a turkey gobble every single breath that he takes. Now, one of four things usually happens when we call too much to a turkey that is on the ground gobbling his brains out and we're trying to make him gobble more. One of those things is that he oftentimes will call in a hen to him with his gobbling and about 98 and a half times out of 100 our hunt at that point is over. Best case it's on hold for maybe an hour if not longer. Another one of those four things that can happen is he'll become wary of that hen that is telling him how handsome his long beard is and how she really would like for him to buy her dinner. And he'll shut up when he becomes wary. Typically, he'll gobble one or two times going in the opposite direction just to say, hey, I'm headed out of here. If you want to see my long beard, then come follow me. Now, even worse than those two things is that he may call in another hunter to the area. Or, less likely than any of those three, you'll keep him hot and he'll come in running and you'll kill him. 
Now let's talk statistics again for a second. I'm not saying that we have a one in four chance of killing that turkey because those are pretty darn good odds in the turkey woods. What I'm saying is that usually one of those four things will happen and three of those four things are bad. So what do we do to keep three of those four things from happening? We have to make a conscious effort not to call at some point going forward in that hunt. Now, that point usually is when that gobbler commits to coming in our direction. When he gobbles at our calling and then gobbles again and he's closed the distance a little bit, that's the time that we need to quit calling and we need to start thinking about how he's going to approach us when he comes in. We don't need to coax him in any further. And I know what you're thinking, but Andy, what if he gets hung up? How will we know? Usually, he'll let us know because he'll start gobbling frequently again as he tries to call that hen to him. But Andy, how will we know where he is as he approaches us if he's not gobbling? So the answer to that is we need to be watching with our eyes and listening for We need to be listening for branches or twigs breaking, walking in the leaves, crows cawing in that direction, squirrels barking in that direction, etc., etc. In other words, we need to be hunting. When in doubt, and truth be told, aren't we pretty much always in doubt when we're turkey hunting? When in doubt, call less. Or if you cannot suppress the urge to call, then put that call somewhere that it is too difficult or too far away to get to to use it again. We should always remember that we can call more if we need to moving forward during that hunt, but we can't uncall if we call too much and make him gobble too much and someone slips in around us and shoots our turkey out from under us. All right, what I think is the second most common turkey calling mistake that we make is calling too loudly. Most of us have heard of or have experienced firsthand about how well a white-tailed deer hears. Therefore, we are typically pretty quiet when we're hunting whitetails. But for some strange reason, and maybe it's because we know a turkey can hear us farther if we are louder with our calling, but for some strange reason, we feel like we don't have to be as quiet when we're hunting turkeys, specifically calling turkeys. But here's what experience has taught me. A wild turkey has hearing that is built to hear the sound of another wild turkey. Really, I think that makes sense as... These are very social animals. They strongly desire to be in the presence of other turkeys. Well, in order to find other turkeys in forested areas, wild turkeys need to be able to see and hear other turkeys, and especially hear other turkeys from a long distance. And I think lots of folks misinterpret the fact that we can whisper or even quietly talk around turkeys while we're hunting them and not spook them, to mean that turkeys can't hear well. I interpret that to mean that they do not associate a human voice as something of danger, but they still hear that human voice, and they still hear very well. 
and they hear other turkey sounds and calls from farther away than you or I can. I can't tell you how many times that I've been running and gunning when I've stopped to call and questioned whether or not I've heard a turkey gobble, only to wait a few minutes in that same spot and hear him gobble again as he's getting closer to me. And one time in particular stands out because this was a really pretty incredible hunt. So I was hunting one afternoon with a much larger group than I really want to turkey hunt with. But it was Chip, Todd, Eric, and George. And you guys, if you've listened to every episode of this show, God bless you, but you've heard all of these guys on the show. So there were five of us in the woods. It was one o'clock in the afternoon, and really, we were just killing time. We'd actually just pulled up to the camp and walked into the woods about 200 yards from the camp and called. And when Chip called, we all kind of turned around and looked at each other like, was that a turkey gobble? You could just barely hear off in the distance. So we stood there and we waited. Probably two or three minutes later, Chip calls, and we hear, ow, off in the distance. So at that point in time, we all knew we heard a turkey and we all start looking for a place to get. Well, George is our designated shooter because it had been a couple of years since George had killed a turkey. So our goal on this trip was to get George a turkey. So we sit down, we get George in a position where we think the birds are coming from and George is a designated shooter. Chip is back behind us all calling turkey gobbles again except it's not one turkey it's several turkeys the turkey's even closer and they come closer and gobble and they come closer and they gobble they come in they get about 60 yards from us when we see them there are four turkeys there are five of us in the woods four turkeys five shotguns one designated shooter the odds are looking pretty good at this point so The reason this hunt really, really, really sticks out in my head is that as soon as the first bird gets to about the 40-yard mark, George shoots him. The bird flops. Chip starts calling, trying to calm the other birds down, but they take off and leave the country. No one else got a shot at another bird. But those turkeys heard us calling from way farther away than we could hear them gobble. And I am convinced that a turkey can hear another turkey sound much farther off than we can hear a turkey sound. And the fact is that loud calling can spook a wild turkey. I have seen it happen several times. And again, fortunately for us, we can control that. And I will promise you guys this. I am just as guilty as any of you guys are about this one. But we have to help ourselves every time we get into the woods by reminding ourselves to cut our volume, our calling volume, by three quarters to a half of what we want to do. If we call softly and get no response, especially when we're running and gunning, we can always work our volume up gradually as we continue our calling. In fact, something that I've had work for me in the past when running and gunning is trying to paint that picture of a hen who has gotten separated from the flock and is starting to get a little bit desperate to meet up with them. So I'll start my calling out a little calm and quiet and relaxed and then slowly work up the excitement and the volume over a period of time to sound a little bit more desperate 
like that hen is looking for a companion or looking for that flock. And a lot of times that will spark a gobble. But when we sit down to call a gobbling turkey, it's always better to start with a lower volume and work up from there if we need to. Most of the time, we'll see that we don't need to get louder. We just think that we need to get louder. Let's keep the volume down and we'll find that we will spook fewer turkeys. Another mistake that we often make when calling turkeys is calling to turkeys on the roost. Now I know not every turkey in this country is the same, nor do they like the same calling sequences, nor do they like the same calls, and a lot of times they like different things on different days. And I know not every turkey in this country is the same as every Alabama turkey I've ever called to on the roost. Trust me, that's a good thing. That is a good, good thing. But the fact of the matter is that most times, most times, calling too frequently to a gobbler on the roost will just make him sit there and wait on the hen that he heard to come to his roost tree. Now remember our one huge disadvantage that we have when we're turkey hunting and trying to call a gobbler to us. We are not hens. We can't just walk up to that gobbler's roost tree like a real live hen can do and have him fly down to us. So most of the time when he's going to sit up on that roost and wait on that hen to come to him, our hunt's over before it ever started. So here's the deal. I don't expect you to hunt like I do. The really cool thing about turkey hunting is that there is no one right way to do it. But we have to know what the birds that live where we hunt like. We have to know their habits and we have to know their idiosyncrasies as well. And we have to use that information to our advantage when we are lucky enough to get set up on a bird on the roost. So if you're like me and you hunt in an area where a gobbler will hang up on the roost if you call to him while he's on the roost, then do not call to him. Personally, I won't and I don't call to a turkey on the roost. I have been reminded about how huge of a mistake that is on an Alabama bird so many times that I don't even try it on an out-of-state bird. The truth is now that the thought of calling to a roosted bird never crosses my mind any longer in the mornings. Just like the thought of wearing a bright orange safety shirt while turkey hunting never crosses my mind. I believe it is a huge no-no to call to a roosted gobbler in the mornings. Now, with that said, if you choose to do some soft calling to a roosted tom, just be sure to make it just that very soft and just a cluck or two with the tree yelp or two thrown in. Then go back and re-listen to number one in this show and stop calling. Remember, we can always call more frequently if we need to, but we can never uncall to one. Okay, so that is all for this week's show. As I said, I'll have some additional calling mistakes coming up in a future episode, but these serve as a good reminder for us, and I think that we need to let these sink in for a little bit. Plus, hopefully by keeping this episode a little bit short, because I feel like these calling mistakes are way up on the list of mistakes that we make when we're turkey hunting. Hopefully, by keeping this episode short, we can come back and listen to it again 
before we go into the woods on opening day as well. Hey, before I let you go this week, you know I'm going to ask you for a favor. So can you do me one huge favor this week? Will you please invite someone who normally doesn't get into the woods much to go on a hunt with you this fall? Stop and think for a minute who you can invite to join you. Maybe it's a new member at your church, a co-worker who has just moved to the area. It could be that cousin who always asks you a lot of questions about your hunting experiences. Or that neighbor who always intently watches you load and unload your four-wheeler on your truck or trailer. Maybe it's the child of one of your very good friends who looks like he or she could use some time away from the house. Or one of your children's friends. Maybe it's a client that you want to thank for past business or a prospect that you want to get to know better for future business. Whomever it happens to be, just invite them to tag along with you and let them know you've got the gear that they need. The only thing that they need to do is to purchase a hunting license. That's it. That is my one favor for this week, and that is a huge favor for all of us and for the critters that we hunt as well. Because remember, all of those license dollars go right back into the kitty to help manage and conserve the resources that we have and that we enjoy. So that's it. That's all that I've got for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.